0: Welcome back to the untitled 40 yard dash cast podcast. Uh, we are back at it today talking about the NFL combine going to dive into the New Orleans saints. Uh, we have some big news coming out of the NFC South today revolving around Calvin, Calvin Ridley that we will also discuss that kind of shakes up our podcast episode about the Falcons a couple weeks ago, but Sam, kick us off. Where do you want to start? What are we looking
1: at? And uh, where are we going? Well, we always have to mention around the combine that, uh, hand size matters for approximately one and a half days out of the entire year. Um, Yep. Kenny Pickett's hands measured smaller than any starting NFL quarterback's hands. And uh, I didn't lose any sleep over it. Yeah. um, This was a thing
0: that people talked about during Joe Burrow's draft. Uh, He's, his hands were relatively small. Um, There are some like really, really weird obscure metrics that say like if a quarterback has, hands smaller than eight and three quarters, like they're gonna be bad always. And like I just don't buy it. Um doesn't matter. We we never talk about it. You never hear about quarterbacks being like ah, I can't grip the ball too much because my hands are too small. Like just it's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's like one of those analytical things that's brought up during you know the combine season and then we just fucking forget about it. So I'm forgetting yeah. about it. And Kenny Pickett's still a dog and not to mention like they should just, they should just like look at his hands with gloves on. Like he plays with gloves on. Like He's never not going to play with gloves on. He throws with gloves all the time. So like who even cares what his fucking normal size hands are?
1: Yeah, I, I'm thinking like if you want to give a criticism about some of these top prospects, like find something else. Like pull up, pull up some tweets from 2014. If you're trying to get some like, Criticism out here about these guys. Like the hand size, it just doesn't matter. No, it's
0: it's it's bullshit. I mean, we have all this time to to you know to research these guys, watch film. Um find something on film, like find a a a good reason on film to not like them. Don't just be like, ah, you know, they're measurables, not gonna work out. How many times have we been proven wrong about measurables in any sports league? Oh, this guy's too small, he's not big enough, he doesn't fit the right mold, and we're proven wrong year after year after year there's never a set prototype prototype body type it's never set there's never set in stone there's always outliers so don't just rule a guy out because his hands are a little small
1: yeah i don't really have any big takeaways from the combine you can probably speak to this better but like i guess a bunch of the 40 times are off which again i guess only matters to like compare some of these prospects to people that uh, are already in the league. But yeah, they don't. Um,
0: the 40 time thing was weird because it's like, okay, this is the NFL. This is the combine. This is probably the biggest thing that they do in the off season outside of the NFL draft. And the only thing that people watch and care about in the combine is 40 speed. Like that's it. Like nobody's sitting there like, oh, I can't wait to watch the wide receivers bench press. Like, it's just not a thing. It's like, I want to see these guys run. I want to see them run fast. And it's like, how how was the 40-yard dash messed up, like, on the biggest stage? Like, I understood at, like, pro days last year when the combine wasn't a thing and they were going to all these colleges and the colleges were gassing up their players with these wrong 40 times. That makes sense to me, but, like, how does the NFL screw that up? Like, their job is to just literally just set up the 40-yard dash and for some reason – it got a ton of players' times wrong, so um, just not really sure what happened there. Kind of a kind of a dud from the NFL because it's like right when a guy runs a good forty, it's like ah, oh, this guy just ran an unofficial four two whatever, and then it's like five, and then like twenty minutes later, they're like, yeah, by the way, it like wasn't that fast, and everybody's like ah, cool, Just ruined it for us. So um, yeah, NFL Combine was kind of a dud. Um, Really nothing to talk about there. The only you know a good performance that comes to mind for me, Sauce Gardner ran like a a sub four or five, uh had was just really fluid. He came in at like a clean six two. Um, so he had a he had a good performance. But other than that, I mean it's pretty forgettable.
1: Yeah. Uh I think a, a name that I'm starting to hear more, and I wonder if he's gonna sneak into the first round is uh Boye Mafe from Minnesota think he's the linebacker uh, seeing mm-hmm. his name a lot more rising up draft boards so I think he might sneak into the first round and then I feel like Kayvon Thibodeau is going to start rising again I feel like we've kind of gone through like a month or so where he's kind of falling in some mocks for no reason but I feel like he's uh, after a good performance at the combine I I think he's gonna you know go back up to the top two or three or whatever. And there was really, there's really no reason for him to, to fall. Like, you know, if I'm
0: first place.
1: Yeah. Like if I'm Jacksonville, I understand the priority to get an offensive lineman, but like, there's no like, and I, I, I was talking to you about this this weekend. I feel like, you know, if Thibodeau were to fall a couple spots feel like there's gotta be some like playoff team who would, maybe give up a little something to go up and get him because like I feel like I, I, so I, the comparison that I'm hearing between Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson is that like you know Aiden Hutchinson was a great college player he was always bought into being a Michigan man being a Wolverine like born in Michigan raised in Michigan grew up just a little bit outside of Ann Arbor whereas you know Thibodeau's been focused on being a pro this whole time, which you know I think is a valid comparison to make on a surface level. But like I I just feel like maybe the right team would go up and get Thibodeau. Like, why not?
0: Yeah. Um if he's there, I mean the thing is is like the the NFL draft is always smoke and mirrors. There's there's always so much like going on and reports coming out. And like the whole reason that Kayvon Thibodeau dropped is because people have like these sudden concerns about his like work ethic. Because like he likes NFTs. Like that's literally it. Like there's no there's no like reason behind it. It's like, ah, we're just gonna kind of fuck his draft stock for a second, or even maybe it's not fucked, but uh on in the media's perspective maybe it is but you know teams have their own boards the teams you know scouts put together their own boards for their own teams so who knows what it really is behind the scenes but i really have a hard time seeing him drop past you know 3 or 4 um Same. come draft season i just i just don't think it's going to happen so um you know i you know, say say the texans are there and he's and he's there at 3 you know i just don't see them not taking him so yeah we'll see but um yeah, hopefully he he rises back up on the boards. I think he's going to be a really good NFL player. I think both him and Hutchinson are. But it's it's that weird, like, comparison. It's like every time there's two elite players at one position in a, in a draft, the, the media is like, no, mm-mm, we can't do that. We have to figure out who's the better player yeah. and push that player. Good. They can't be both good. Like, Not allowed. No, exactly. Not allowed. Like, why can't they just be 1A, 1B? Like, I whoever you want to take, man, whoever's good for your organization, go ahead and take them. But instead, you know, we have to talk about all these different factors, blah, blah, blah. And then come draft season, none of us going to
1: matter. So, um, but what next? So we're going to talk about the saints here, but we need to talk quickly about the Falcons because we already talked about the Falcons, but there's been a little bit of, New developments with Atlanta today actually uh, I guess Calvin Ridley bet on some games and uh, the NFL has suspended him for the entire season so Calvin Ridley was out for a large portion of last season uh, citing mental health and other things and now Atlanta is going to be without him for another year so do you think this kind of shakes up Atlanta's draft priorities
0: Yeah, uh, I definitely think so, because outside of their outside of Calvin Ridley, I mean, their wide receiver room is pretty bare, Uh, not a whole lot there. And it's kind of like, oh, our offensive line is bad. And that's the reason why, you know, Matt Ryan is struggling right now. Wink. Like they're kind of talking themselves into that, despite the fact that Matt Ryan really isn't that elite anyways. Um, But if you know now they're like torn because it's like they can't go after offensive line as much as they'd like to, because now they have a huge need at wide receiver. Um, and it's not like you have a ton of time left. Like, it's not like Matt Ryan's not getting any younger. Uh, if you're going to win with him, you're going to have to do it probably now. Um, so it's like, you got to, you got to allocate resources to the wide receiver room. Cal, I mean, Kyle Pitts is there and he's a good player, but like, he, he's just, he's just a tight end. Like you need, you need more on the outside. Um and you know, with Calvin Ridley really being gone, it's just gonna really shake things up. Um, what do you make of this like whole story? Like the you know, him like the mental health stuff and and then just and then gambling and then also betting on the Falcons, too, which is a fucking terrible decision. But like what, what are you thinking about? Honestly,
1: this? you know, I am not a sports gambler, and I feel like a lot of people are mad that he bet on his own team, but like we talk about betting on ourselves all the time. So like if he wants to bet on his team when he's not, you know, with them, I don't really have a problem with that on a surface level. I think, you know, the NFL clearly feels a certain way about players gambling and obviously that is the punishment, you know, like I don't get how an owner like Dan Snyder can clearly be in the wrong on a number of other topics and be allowed to own an NFL franchise and the NFL comes down hard on a player who gambled a little bit like I, I just I that's kind of what my where my big problem is right now because I, I just don't feel like punishments are consistent across the board and obviously those are two different scenarios but I just I feel like yeah it's, it's just a I don't know it's just kind of whatever it sucks for Atlanta because I think that's a very that's a key piece of their franchise moving forward and you know does it kind of move the needle for them to you know try and get some trade value for matt ryan and just say you know what nope we're gonna hold the whole ship up yeah wow Cal yeah. Pitts is young you know I, I looking at this
0: whole situation it kind of makes me think that the nfl is trying to make an example out of calvin ridley and mm-hmm. maybe maybe there's actually a problem within the NFL right now that is very hush hush about players or and maybe coaches and possibly owners uh, being involved with Vegas in some sort of way. Uh, Maybe this is kind of happening behind the scenes and like, there's some chatter about it. And I guarantee you Calvin Ridley is not the only one. And it's like, they got one, and they're going to make an example out of him because, you know, it's probably a little bit worse behind the scenes than we really think. So um, I think there's a little bit more to this story than we know. Um, you know, how far fetched is it to say that like these wealthy owners in the NFL aren't betting as well in some sort of capacity, like I guarantee you it's happening. Um, and the NFL is probably kind of shaking in their boots because it's a lot of money that can move. Um and it's not good. So, yeah, I kind of understand where the NFL is coming from. But my problem with it is like, OK, you suspend Calvin Ridley for gambling for a year. Um, there's been players that have done far worse and received very, very little in terms of suspensions. Uh, it's really the only problem I have with it. Uh, but if you look at just the case itself and like really try to you know, hone in on the fact that he was gambling, uh, which can lead to a lot worse. Uh, I'm totally fine with the punishment. So, but you know, this really does shake things up for the Falcons and and, and now they're kind of in the situation where, you know, they're, they're picking ahead of the, of the saints who we're going to talk about in a second. And the saints also need a wide receiver. Um, and there's about three elite wide receivers in this class that teams are going to be going after Uh, And now all of a sudden the Falcons might be in a position where they might want to take a receiver just to take it away from the saints. So we'll get, we'll get into all that in a second, but um, that's kind of where I'm going right now. I think, I think the Falcons are going to be looking at, you know, the Chris Olave Garrett Wilson uh, and Jamison Williams to add to their repertoire. So um, let's move on to the saints. Where do you want to start with these saints? You're, you're more sold on the saints than I am. You're more of a fan of the saints. Um, than I am. I don't really think they have a whole lot going on. So tell me where I should start with these Saints.
1: Yeah, so I guess we kind of have to start, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, this Saints team was super close to breaking through to the Super Bowl in the twilight years of uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton. They, accepted, they assembled exceptional talent on both sides of the ball and suffered some outrageously cruel postseason fate. One might argue that the Atlanta Falcons have only suffered worse, uh, but now Breeze and Payton are both gone, and there are decisions to be made about some of the young stars that they were able to assemble. And I just kind of want to talk about before we get into the the future Saints, like kind of reflecting on the end of the Breeze Payton era. Like, what were your big like? What was your perception of this team? Kind of like these last few years because I feel like they kind of rode that wave of the Super Bowl a decade ago for a while and they were good and they kind of had that dip and they came back kind of like pretty much once they drafted Camara was like that second era of like really good saints teams. Yeah. The second, (laughs) second wave type of thing. They, they, I don't know. They
0: kind of always just felt like a second place team. You know, I that's how just it felt to me. Like it, it, it felt like they were just always a step behind of somebody else in the NFC. Um, you know, whether that's Brady in the Bucks or Aaron Rodgers or you know whoever it may be, it just it felt like they were just right behind everybody else. Um, and it was like you never could grasp like the reason why they couldn't get over the hump. Like they have all these great players in a lot of different positions, a lot of superstars, but. It just seems like something always goes wrong, whereas like, somebody gets hurt, or somebody's contract situation's weird, or just the games aren't lining up, or Zubrius just ends up leaving, mm-hmm. or Jameis Winston's like kind of getting good, and then he just tears his ACL on a freak play. Like it's just all these strange things with the Saints. So my perception of the Saints is oh, it has been for a long time that they're not really a Super Bowl team. They're more of a we're gonna get to the playoffs and look good doing it type of team.
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I was, I just kind of think about how the Saints were really clearly like a couple plays away, and each of their playoff losses to at least advancing to the next game, like that, the Minneapolis miracle where Marcus Williams fell down against Stephon Diggs, like that. That was one play. That was, play. Ridiculous. It was a ridiculous. Fluke play that would have sent the Saints to the NFC Championship game. The missed call whatever you decide to believe against the rams in the nfc championship game a couple years later mm-hmm. that that could have changed the game that could that would, probably would have won the saints the game sent them to the super bowl and it would have at least been a more competitive game than the rams put up so yeah. i just i feel like there are a lot of what ifs about the saints team what could have been and now, now they're kind of paying for it because, you know, they, they made all these, they brought all this young talent in, and now there's, they've got to make some choices here about who is, who is going to be part of the next era and who they can, who they can let go of. So Mar- Marshawn Lattimore, Michael Thomas, Ryan Ramchak, and Cameron Jordan make up 41, 40, 47.1% of uh, their salary cap in 2022. Uh, so, the Saints recently reworked the deals of both Thomas and Ramchick, um to uh, kind of skirt around this. Marcus Williams is going to be a free agent. They are probably going to lose uh, Taron Armstrong in free agency, which is going to really uh, significantly hurt their offensive line. So that's kind of setting the stage for this, uh, for this Saints team. Uh, Dennis Allen is their new head coach. He was the Raiders head coach from 2012 to 2014. You were talking about this before we started. This was quietly a very under the radar, you know, hiring process and even kind of Sean Payton leaving was kind of, it should have been a lot bigger of a deal. It should have been a much bigger deal than it was. And it kind of just like happened.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like I kind of just completely forgot that everything around the saints happened with, with Peyton leaving and, you know, Dennis Allen. In fact, before this episode, like I was, you know, Googling who the fuck the Saints, co- the Saints coach was like, I just completely forgot. Um, but, you know, it's, I think it's, I think for me it's because the NFL offseason um, has just been so hectic so far. I mean, there's been so much stuff going on. Like it seems like every single day um, that, you know, sometimes coaching hires like this just kind of fly under the radar and you just completely miss them. Um, especially in a year like this, but, um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, that they, I guess, I guess from their, their thought process, they've been kind of grooming Dennis Allen for this position. Um, so in their eyes, this is like sort of a perfect fit, easy transition. They're going to be kind of doing the same thing they have been doing. Nothing's really going to change. Um, so I feel like it's going to be perfectly fine. I think the yeah. big question though is is around sort of the contract situation and like you know who are you going to keep moving forward? Like is Alvin mm-hmm. Kamara a cornerstone a cornerstone player to keep around for the future? Um I think these are some of the questions you need to start asking yourself
1: if you're like a Saints fan because
0: you can't pay everyone. And certainly not with have, these contracts.
1: You won't though. have Kamara at the beginning of the season because of a suspension.
0: Yeah. Has he been actually suspended yet?
1: I don't Um, think so. You've got to think he will
0: be. Yeah, that was a a brutal case. I don't know if you saw the pictures, but, I mean, he beat the shit out of that guy, and it's kind of hard to see him not getting at least some sort of suspension for that. So I would imagine he's going to get a suspension. Um But that seems to be, like, how the Saints always are. Like, they always start off the season, somebody's suspended, somebody's injured, somebody's in a weird spot on the pup list. So, it's, like, they're just – that's always – they're just used to it, I feel like, by now. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but but let's talk about, you know, where the Saints are in terms of the NFC South right now because – yeah. um you know they have they have a quarterback situation to figure out and and so does yep. every other team in the NFC South and and they might have the best quarterback situation
1: out of the 4 teams yeah yeah so i i was i was thinking about this uh, as we kind of talked through the whole Dennis Allen thing i feel like the saints kind of like wanna be a pittsburgh or like a a green bay or a dallas when it comes to like organizational structure like i feel like the saints are like operating as if they want to be like in that tier one of like, Oh yeah, these are really good organizations. And yeah. like, I feel like that's kind of what they promote from within quiet type thing um, does. But so I feel like the saints have the best infrastructure in the NFC South, both short-term and long-term. And I think they need to make the proper moves to make sure that they are the team to beat in the NFC South for the foreseeable future, both in the division and in the postseason. So I feel like we are at a crossroads here for the Saints franchise, and I want to walk you through a couple of the options th- that I have found, um, the, the options I've kind of separated here. Um, and I think there are three scenarios that hinge on the quarterback position. I think your first option, stick with Jameis Winston, see where that gets you. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, I think think is swing a big trade. The saints have been thrown around as one of those teams that could be talking to Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. So that's another consideration. Uh, consideration number three, I think is uh draft. The next guy to build around. I feel like if you're, if you want to, if you're Dennis Allen, your first year head coach, you want to go get your guy, but nobody, nobody blames you. So um, those are the three I want to talk about. Um, whatever happens this season, I think the saints should take a different approach to the, post Brady Bucks era and focus on how they can run the division for years to come. You know, they went two and zero against Tampa last season and the year before that only lost in the postseason. And I think the saints are operating on a much wider window than both Atlanta and Carolina are. And now Tampa's window has obviously changed and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I just, I'm getting, I'm getting this vibe that the saints need to be, need to start playing like they are the team to beat in the NFC South for the long term now. And it might right. not show up in the win column this year, but I think the Carolina and Atlanta are gonna maybe f- try and focus on making the playoffs next season. I feel like, you know, the Saints could go into next season, not really focus on the playoffs. Just be like, you know, we're, we're gonna see what we have, uh move forward and start start to build this a new way. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a uh, fortified long term. So um, which which option do you want me to want me to talk you into first? Here, you want to talk about Jameis or the trade or the draft?
0: Let's start with Jameis because I feel like Jameis is is really interesting as a character and as a player, and you know yeah. I do think that he deserves another shot in New Orleans because last year was his best year statistically that he's played. Um, so, talk me into Jameis staying with the Saints.
1: Yeah. So I was a big fan of the Jameis Winston reclamation project last year. Um, I think he had some great moments last year. And I like, like you, I believe that he deserves a shot to come back and be the starter in 2022 after being injured. I think he showed enough last season before he got hurt to make people believe that he can be a long-term solution for the saints. And, you know, if, if he is, if that's the case, if he comes back and lights it up, you're talking about, you know, comeback player of the year, Jameis Winston leading the saints to the playoffs. Like, this is a very quick fix if Jameis is good. Yep. Michael, Tom- Michael Thomas will be back. We think Camara will be back. Probably going to draft some skill position talent as well. You've got other receivers in that room that have shown that they're talented, like Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith. So mm-hmm. I would, I would, I, my, my opinion here is to take, is, is to roll with Jameis of these three. And I want to talk into the flip side of this. If Jameis doesn't perform well, all it's going to do is improve the saints draft stock for 2023 and really gear up to get their guy next year. You want to take, you want to take Bryce Young, you want to bring him down to Nola. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I, I think quietly if the Jameis thing doesn't work out, I would be really interested to see if the saints kind of do a quiet little tanking here to get to uh position themselves to get their new guy in 2023.
0: Oh man. So. And if they got Bryce young, he'd look so crispy in a saints uniform
1: in that, in those, uh, in those
0: white and the gold ones. Oh man. Yeah. Just, just unreal. I think, I think Bryce young would look the best let's we'll do an episode on that how which uniform would Bryce Young look the best in just look just just stand there how does he look the best I think That's the Saints it. uniform is up there yeah I like
1: that one um but yeah I what, what do you how do you feel about Jameis and this team's ceiling as it stands right now with him under center well, you know, you certainly don't feel
0: amazing about it with Brady in the division. But all of a sudden, you know, with Brady out in the books, you know, just kind of trying to figure stuff out. Um, you know, I could see a scenario where Jameis can make the playoffs with this team. Um, if he comes back and builds off of his success that he had last year, um, I think he can be the best quarterback in this conference. Um, he has more weapons than most of the other teams um, I'd say more weapons than everyone, but the bucks, but the bucks don't really have a quarterback right now. So it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I I like, I like Jameis and I want to, I want to see him get a second chance in new Orleans. Um, I like what he was doing last year before the injury. um, And he deserves it. He's been on a long road trying to get some respect from the league. And um, I think it's about time that, you know, he does that. So rooting for Jameis in this situation, but um, you know, let's, let's talk, you know, some of the other options. So, um, you know, you put swing for a big trade, like, you know, them going after, uh, the, the, you know, the Russ and, um, and the Aaron Rodgers of the world. So like, how would they be able to make that
1: trade work? I don't know. I feel like I don't, I don't really know how many first round picks a guy like Russ and Rodgers would be worth. And so, I don't really know what the equation is for the trade itself. I don't know. I, I guess it kind of depends on what Seattle or green Bay is interested in. You know, is it necessarily, is it a picks thing or is it a assets thing? Right. Or Like, like, like existing assets on what I'm, what I meant, but um, I don't really know what that looks like. So you, you assume, okay, Russ or Rogers comes to uh New Orleans, definitely losing this year's first round pick, maybe. Okay, okay. Well, okay, okay. So the Rams gave up what two first round picks and a third for Stafford. Uh, was
0: it two? I don't I think it was just one first. Uh, could be wrong. I could be wrong. But you gotta yeah, think. I think.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, I think it was just one first round pick.
0: It's probably gonna be for, for Russ. I'm assuming it's a little bit more than it is for Rogers because Russ because Russ is younger.
1: Um Oh no, but, I, I, no, I was right. It was two first and a third. Gotcha. Ah, and well I'm assuming so obviously you know, Goff. Goff was in the trade too. So that you got straight you got straight up a swab. You're gonna have to break the bank if
0: you want one of those guys. And the thing is is th- You know, I don't see it happening because the Saints have been breaking the bank for their own players for, Uh you know, the past century. Like, and they are feeling the effects of what it is to be like in cap hell. So Uh um, I don't think they're going to break the bank anymore. Like they've they've taken, you know, too many chances. I think they're going to be content with their situation with Jameis or, you know, I sent you a mock draft last week that I put together for the Saints uh, where I had them taking Carson Strong in the second which I think would be extremely interesting, Uh, you know, similar to like a Seattle Seahawks situation where they, you know, draft a quarterback in day two or day three. uh, And then he ends up being a great player. Like, I think it'd be super cool if they added Carson Strong to that quarterback room, because you got so much to work with. Like you have so much room for error, room for players to come in and out. You have Jameis, you have Carson Strong, Taysom Hill. Like you really can do whatever you want to do. Wait, you don't believe you don't believe in Ian Book? Um, not a chance, man. He played. He had that one game this past year. So bad. I felt so bad for him. Absolutely terrible, terrible. I don't think he makes the roster next year. So, yeah. um, well, here's my
1: thing about the big trade. I don't feel I've you know I've already kind of laid out here that I think the Saints need to focus on the long game here. I don't feel like this this fits that. If you're going after a big name quarterback, you are committing to their timeline. You aren't committing to yours. you're committing to Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers timeline. you know because they are not only chasing another ring, but they're chasing their own legacy in pro football. I mean, Tom Brady came to the Bucks and it was great. They won a Super Bowl. Awesome. They're always, they're always going to love Tom and Tampa, but mm-hmm. now they have to, now they have to rebuild without him because Brady was, Brady left the Pats and was like, I'll show you. He won his ring. Great. Awesome. Now he's gone. And now the Bucks are back in rebuild mode. So right. I feel like if you swing this big trade and this, this goes really for any, for any team that's looking at Rogers or Russell Wilson or whoever it is, if you do this, you're committing to that quarterback's timeline. And for a team like Tampa, I'm sure they're happy with that Super Bowl. They're not like the the Chiefs or the Patriots and obviously there are standards of excellence there and maybe maybe that Super Bowl win helps get Tampa closer to being a year in year out contender for a Super Bowl, but right. Like you're you're not I I just don't I don't feel like this fits with what I think the Saints should look at, and maybe maybe it works out, and Russell Wilson wins three Super Bowls in New Orleans before he retires. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. There are, there these, are... these guys are chasing the rings; they're chasing their legacies. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. And I think there are like destination franchises, you know, like like the like the Broncos and the Bucks. Like these French and I feel like the Cardinals are another one where it's like, ah, at the end of my career, I'm going to go chase a ring with one of these three teams. I'm going to win one and that's it. And those franchises are content with it and they're happy with it. Um, but not these other franchises like the saints. And if the saints are chasing, you know, what the Steelers concepts and the Packers concepts, you can't, you can't get there as a franchise by trading for these quarterbacks and risking your future. Cause you're going to have that downswing if you don't have these picks in the future. Um, it's the same thing with the Rams, these destination spots where it's like, I'm going to go there and win and that's it. And then that franchise is screwed for the next five years, but they don't care because their whole plan was just to win one. Um, so, but I don't think that's what the saints are doing here. And that's why I think it's so difficult for me to also picture Rogers or Russ in Pittsburgh, because I don't think Pittsburgh wants to really do it either Like, I feel like they're like, yeah, it'd be cool if we had Russ or Rodgers, but that's not who we are.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I don't feel like that's who the Saints are either. So it's just, I don't see it. Maybe they surprised me, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on my perspective is the same as yours. And I don't think
1: they're that type of franchise. Yeah. So do you, I mean, mean, we can clear, we can obviously talk ourselves into Russell Wilson or Rodgers on this team and them being great but we're both kind of in agreement here that it's not in the best interest of this, of this long, of the long-term plan.
0: No, it's not. And you have a lot of, a lot of young players that you're going to have to pay and work around and you have a good fan base that's coming off of a lot of great years, like just to kind of throw it away for a year or two of some success is just kind of middling to me. So um. Yeah, I think – and, you know, the thing is with the Rodgers and Russ thing is, like, I don't really want to talk about it a whole lot because I could talk myself into thinking Russ and Rodgers would be unreal at almost any NFL team. Yeah. Like, it's harder to think of teams that they would suck at than teams that they wouldn't be amazing at. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, they're going to be great fucking everywhere they go. Like there's only I mean, maybe the Texans, Jets and Jags are the only teams that they'd be terrible on. But you could you could picture them in any situation being successful. So, yeah, I I just think it's your waste. We'd be wasting our breath.
1: Yeah. So let's move on to the draft here. Indications are that New Orleans could could spend an early draft pick on a quarterback. The QBE that they seem to get be getting tied to the most is Oldness quarterback Matt Corral, who has long been a favorite on this podcast, and yep. it would be kind of fitting seeing as Matt Corral ended his college career in New Orleans in the Superdome. So I feel like even if they do take a quarterback this year, whether it's Corral in the first or in your mock draft, Carson Strong in the second, I yep. think the intention and the plan should be to not start that guy much, if at all, this season, and take a redshirt year to learn behind Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill or whoever. I feel like learning under Taysom Hill would be really good for whoever.
0: Yeah, Taysom Hill could be a really, really good mentor quarterback, in my opinion, only because he went to BYU and he's probably really smart. That's literally the only reason why.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, As we talked about, Taron Armstrong might not be retained, so offensive tackle should also be, A heavy consideration for this first round pick
0: yeah um this this first round is going to be interesting for them like the offensive tackle thing is 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 weird because they were kind of spoiled for the longest time of having two all pro tackles you know between arms between armstead and uh and Ryan Ramchek, like both of those guys are unreal. Most teams don't even have one tackle that are, that is that good. And to have two for so long was, was crazy. Um, I think they could be fine if they don't have an elite tackle on the, on the other side of Ramchak. So Uh I could see them not taking a tackle in the first, Um, but they are going to have to figure out some of their skill position because like, we haven't seen Michael Thomas playing forever. And like, we don't really know what he has anymore. Like we know he's good, but I've also seen so many receivers in the NFL that struggle with speed, just have a downward spiral after some success. Like if you're not the fastest guy in the room and you're struggling with injuries, like your comeback's not easy. It's, it's just not easy at all. Like it, there's a scenario where Michael Thomas comes back and he's pretty mediocre. And then you're like, okay, this wide receiver room is pretty bad. So that's why I had them taking Chris Olave in the first, like I feel like getting that extra receiver just in case Michael Thomas is an elite. If he is, you pair him with another great receiver. I think that's a great play. So, um, and then of course, you know, going quarterback, we're a big proponent and a big supporter of, on this podcast of taking quarterbacks and developing quarterbacks. So um, mm-hmm. if they were to take Matt Corral, I think him and Kamara in the backfield would be super fun to watch Absolutely. and really cool. Uh, I also think Matt Corral would look fucking
1: sweet in a Saints uniform. I think Des Ritter would look good too. I think he would, yeah. For what's worth, for what it's worth. Um do you feel like this draft is and I don't know how to say this. There, I mean, there were some years where we knew a quarterback was coming off the board at number one. Okay. Most this years is this is past. this is this, yeah, this is not one of those years, and it's not. About the Lions are the Lions and they could take a quarterback at two, but I feel like this is a very interesting draft for quarterbacks and I think there's going to be a domino effect on quarterbacks based on how the first team that takes one based on who the first team to take one is. Like I feel like right? like we talked about last week with the Panthers, they're looking at possibly a quarterback. What if Carolina doesn't? I feel like whoever decides to take that first quarterback is really going to dictate how this first round goes. And I don't feel like that is typically the case Yeah. Um, in the draft. And I, I feel, you know, like if the Panthers don't take Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett and they fall, does that influ- influence a team like the saints to maybe go up?
0: Yeah. I, I, th- it's, it's, I don't know. I think the weird thing about this draft is there's a lot of teams That had pretty decent records, but don't feel great about their quarterback situation. Yep. You know what I mean? And like, they're like potential plays. Like, you, Mm -hmm. I mean, even think about a team like the Eagles. Like, would the Eagles draft a quarterback? We've seen them do crazier things. Mm -hmm. Would the Saints draft a quarterback? Sure. Would the Panthers? Sure. Would the Bucks? Sure. I mean, it's like all these teams, like, Steelers sure and like they all finish with good records so they're all in like they're all in like the 15 to 25 range and they're sitting back and they're like shit we didn't win enough games but then they're like okay well the quarterback we want might be here still but that big that big might question like oh he might be there but we don't know for sure and the draft is always nuts like you say like like if a team takes a quarterback and then teams start jumping up and reaching because the draft gets really weird and crazy when teams do something out of the blue so like imagine a scenario where the Texans take a quarterback at three and that just speeds up everything and people start freaking out, trading up.
1: That's Um, what I'm saying.
0: It can happen. It can happen. And I think that's why, I think that's why so many teams, I think that's why you're seeing so many players fluctuate around in this year's draft class, because I think there's a lot of smoke with teams trying to cover up what they're trying to do, because I think a lot more teams want quarterbacks than we, than we think. Yeah. I think it's just a, a byproduct of like the rookie class last year being underwhelming at the top. Like basically, you know, all the big guys, big names kind of flopped except yeah. for Mac Jones and he was in the middle of the first. So it's like there's yeah. not that, there's not that quarterback rookie candy that we're used to having with like the previous year we had Burrow and Herbert. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, throw two in there a little bit, but. All those guys were like, oh, you gotta draft a quarterback in the first so you can get a guy like this. And now it's like, ah, oh, draft a quarterback in the 15 range so you can get another Mac Jones.
1: Yeah. I mean, you had you had four quarterbacks go in 2020 first round. You had five in 2021. And as of it as it sits right now, we've got one, two, three, four. In the first, so, so Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Corral, and Sam Howell in some order, maybe. Desmond Ritter possibly, maybe, too. Maybe Desmond Ritter, maybe Carson Strong. So, like, we're we're getting there, but I do think, like, if if Houston takes a quarterback at three, you're definitely going to see Five. That, that, that ripple effect, and you'll probably see three go in the top 15. Yeah, that, 100%. That, So I think it's just going to be an interesting draft
0: because it's been so long since we've seen quarterbacks get taken throughout the first round. You know what I mean? Usually it's like at the top, like we know, we know it's coming. We know when it's going to be, we know who's going to be taking the quarterbacks and it's like, it it probably hasn't been like this since the Daniel Jones Haskins year. Yep. You know, where you can argue both teams reached. Yep. So, you know, looking back, like the years where the quarterbacks were kind of a mystery, teams reached.
1: Mm-hmm. Now here we are again. So I think it's going to be wild. Yeah. I, so the other thing is, and you kind of talked about it, I feel like we're going to have a quarterback tangent every single, every single week. <laughs> um, but Yeah, it's going to
0: happen. I mean, everybody is. It's really hard to yeah. talk about without getting on the subject.
1: You talk about smoke screens, and I think the 49ers put together a great one a year ago by finding their guy in Trey Lance, trading up, making people, including Mac Jones, believe they were going to take Mac Jones. So, what are the smoke screens? What teams are privately falling in love with the guy right now and they're positioning themselves to take that guy? Like, is. Whoa. Washington is Washington really in love with Malik Willis, and now with Malik Willis possibly being in play for the Panthers at six, does Washington get crazy and move up to five, which, which would make would which would make them have to trade with the Giants, but like yeah. something like that. I think you know, think about it in terms of like what what would teams what
0: would teams want right now in a quarterback, and I think if you look back at what Trey Lance was, you're gonna see a lot of the same stuff. Um, in some in some quarterbacks, like I don't buy the whole idea that teams are obsessed with Malik Willis. I think it's honestly more probable that teams are obsessed with Desmond Ritter than they are with Malik Willis. Um, just because of his size and his ability to run and his uh and his winning mentality. Yep. I think that's a big he's, one. He's too. a winner. He's a
1: winner. The first podcast to tell you, Des Ritter's
0: a winner. Yep, he's a winner, and I and like those are the things that these NFL teams care about. Like, is he going to be good in the locker room? Is he going to have that Joe Burrow mentality? Like, that's what they're going to be looking for. And who are they going to be falling in love with behind the scenes? I don't know if it's going to leak Willis, but I got a hunch it might be Desmond Ritter. So, I don't know. I mean, we're, none of us are going to know, really, until mm-hmm. until it starts, until it happens. But teams are going to be reaching. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to, I think, I think there's going to be some teams that come out of the draft with nothing. Like they just swung
1: yep. and missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's get back to new Orleans really quick. After quarterback, I feel like the focus here shifts to the defensive backfield. Obviously um offensive line would be a consideration as well, depending on how the armstead thing goes. Um, the Saints have a lot of talent, and they should focus on keeping Marcus Williams, uh, Paulson Adebo, rookie from Stanford, played well this season. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is playing like one of the best nickels in the NFL. Um, could I interest you in an aggressive Saints trade to uh, go up and get Kyle Hamilton? Would that interest you?
0: That would interest me. There's just no way I think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, no way. Um, that's that's kind of my thoughts on the Saints here. I do think getting a I feel like I feel like uh, we're gonna get a lot of uh Debo Samuel type comps uh for receivers in the draft. Yes. Like uh a, so, like, oh, this guy could be a Debo Samuel type guy for the Saints or oh, this guy could this guy is a Debo Samuel type guy that can line up anywhere. I feel like we're gonna get a lot of those comps and because Jamar was like that too for the for the Bengals. So I feel like every team kind of needs that jack-of-all-trades type guy and like i feel like the oh, same he's a
0: wide receiver but he's built like a running back yep. fuck yeah absolutely that's, that's they're gonna love it i mean that's exactly what jamar chases and debo and aj brown like traylon burks is that guy this year you yep. he, he's the one yeah. that's gonna be like the big body you know arkansas got him the ball a lot behind the line of scrimmage Mm-hmm. only because they couldn't throw the ball. But still, like, it, it was like, we're going to put him in the backfield and just get in the ball, and that's exactly, I think, what uh, is a great skill set for a wide receiver to be able to have because it just gives you more flexibility. Um, It, it really opens up the field. So, yeah, I think that's going to be another huge flavor
1: of the draft type of thing. Yeah. I'm looking at the Saints depth chart, and it looks like they have Blake Bortles, too. That is strange. Um, but the uh, another another guy that I wanted to mention as a rookie is uh, is Pete Werner, linebacker, Ohio State. Uh, also played well this season. So I feel he like did. they definitely um, definitely have like the beginnings of the next mm. era of young stars. And uh, you know, once once you decide what you're going to do in the quarterback in the quarterback room, figure out how you're going to start dotting this roster with, the, with that next generation of uh, impact players on both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, so um, there's a guy that I want to bring up on their defensive line, David Anyamada. Uh, I don't know if that's how you say his name, but he was drafted in 2016. Uh, D-lineman, he has, a, he has a great PFF grade, uh, ranked seventh out of 110 uh, in, the, in, in the D-lineman group. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago about guys from Canada. This guy went to Manitoba College in Canada. That's sweet. So uh, here's your Canadian to watch uh, underrated guy in the D line. Um, so I like him. Obviously Marcus Davenport is a beast and he's really been coming into his own in recent years. Um, and then, you know, they got K1 Alexander, Malcolm Jenkins. So I, I like their defense. I do like Paulson Adibo a lot too. He was a great player in college and he would have gone much higher in the NFL draft, but he had a shitty 40. So he just dropped to the third round. So but I think he's a really good player and I think he's going to be a great cornerback for a long time.
1: Yeah. So Ian, are you sold on my saints outlook and of the three options I have presented to you, which one do you think is the, is a, your preferred option and b the most likely option that the saints are going to choose? And are they the same?
0: Um, I'm going to go with the option that the saints are going to keep Jameis Winston. Um, I think they are going to draft somewhere else other than quarterback. Although if the right guy is there and they're sold on him, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled the trigger. Um, So I'm leaning the Jameis route. I think Jameis is going to come back, possibly win the division for the saints um, and be really fun to watch.
1: And are you sold on, on my long-term proposal for this team do you think the team set themselves up to run this division
0: um i'm not sold yet just because of the cap situation and the money situation i think is a big problem that needs to be ironed out and if it is ironed out and figured out and uh we're looking good and michael thomas comes back and he's an absolute boss then uh, then i'm jumping on board but not quite yet not quite yet I still think they have the best outlook for this season. I mean, for this upcoming season in the NFC South, though.
1: Yeah, I I see multiple scenarios where the Saints don't do much to, you know, improve the overall roster and kind of fall ass backwards into uh, winning the NFC South. They might not win a game, might not win a game in the postseason, but I do think there are a lot of scenarios where they just kind of win this division and nobody really thinks twice about it. Oh, 100%. Yep. So
0: I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the saints. You know, we were talking about it off air, but like, it's so fun to be able to do these, these dives into these teams. Uh, Cause it gives us like a lot of stock in these teams. And I, you know, there's a lot of times this past season and really my whole life where I've been watching a lot of teams that I don't care about on Monday night football. And it's like, oh, I don't want to watch this game. Cause I don't really care. Cause I don't really know the players. I don't really know the real problems that this team is facing. So it's fun to go through and, and go one by one, team by team, because now, you know, I'm going to be watching when the, when the Saints play on, on Monday night, Thursday night games that I wouldn't normally watch, or when the Falcons play, or when the Panthers play, or when anybody that we cover plays. So, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. I also want to mention that the Saints have little Jordan Humphrey on the roster.
1: I just saw that, too. Like, they are, like, pretty loaded at wide receiver with people from college that you know. Yeah. There, are a lot of, there are a couple of teams like this that are just really deep, and you know all of them. Kevin White. Yeah, Kevin White, too. Kenny Stills. Yep. Jalen McCleskey. Uh, Marcos Calloway I already mentioned. Like, they got, they're got they pretty low. Ty Montgomery, too. hmm Crazy. So,
0: yeah, 100%. Well, you got any last thoughts on our Saints? No, I don't. You ready to do the Bucks next week? Yeah, let's get after it. Bucks are going to be fun because they might, they might, they might trade for a quarterback by the time we get on the podcast. Yeah, they also might trade for one afterwards, or they might play Kyle Trask next season.
1: Ugh. Feel bad for all the uh, Buccaneers people that got season tickets when Brady was still there. Yeah, now they have to watch Kyle Trask every week.
0: <laughs> so, all right. Well, you got any any last words? I got nothing. Um... Go Saints. Uday. All right. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week.